It's time to step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Three-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Two-time Toast of Music City Best Sports Reporter. And Glenn Blackwell. Brought to you by E610 Athletes. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, in studio with me is George Matarangas. Did I say that right, George? Yeah, that was pretty good. All right. And Josh Upton behind the glass. We have two great interns in studio, Jack and Danielle. Thanks for tuning in for another hour of Hockey Talk on the Hockey Block here in 1025 The Game. Love talking hockey on Wednesday nights. It's the only place you can get it. But George, analytics reporter for Penalty Box Radio. Glad to have you here, man. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, so we're, he's probably going to tick a lot of you off tonight. Just going to go ahead and give you the right there. I'm going to set it up, the expectations. Oh, I'll tell everyone that your favorite player isn't good. <laughs> I'll do it. No, we know you will. We had Mike on a, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, and, and I don't think he was holding anything back. Although we're going to talk a little bit about Johansson uh, because we do bring back the segment tonight of dumb things said on Pred's Facebook, and Michael might get triggered by that when he hears that Michael Wade our other analytics reporter for penalty box radio but I'm really glad to have you here and want to talk about this luckily there are two wins to talk about that have happened against the same team in very similar situations where the Predators went to overtime and a shootout and had to battle back in games and then gave up leads and <laughs> all these different things happen in these games uh, and then Kevin Fiala last night as well which I will say this dear God folks Please stop overreading into every little thing that is happening with Kevin Fiala on the ice. It was a trade. It was just not working out at the time. They got a player that they think is going to be a better fit and produce now. I don't know of a locker room issue, okay? Brothers fight. Brothers have things all the time. If you saw Philip Forsberg's Instagram, he was chirping Kevin Fiala about FIFA because they yell about it. They discuss it in the player show, okay? You're they're competitive guys. Athletes are right, right, George. I mean, you've been in the sport a long time, and I've seen it from the you know, behind the scenes and everything. You coach hockey as well. Got athletes are competitive, right? Oh, they want to win. They want to win. Yeah. Even in video games, they want to win. I want to win everything. I want to win a coin flip. Like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. They, these guys want to win at everything they do. And yeah. can you blame them? No, not at all. So the pushing and shoving, obviously Forsberg smiling, Fiala's, you know fired up for a good reason he was this close to a hat trick in his return to nashville who boy can you imagine pred's facebook pred's reddit pred's twitter pred's instagram pred's hf boards pred's everything if that had happened but for real folks stop please stop reading so much into this if there was an issue we don't know about it we're not in there if you're reading into this you're just making up fake news and that's not fun these guys were hanging out after the games in the hallways, hugging, catching up and everything in Minnesota and in Nashville because they're friends. They've traveled together as well. Yeah, oh, well, Victor Arvidsson and Kevin Fiala had a, had a shoving match and almost fought in practice because they're competitive. They're competing for space and things like that happen and get broken. Okay, fine. Then the next week they travel together to the Caribbean. Ooh, bad blood. There's my rant. <laughs> Do you not go on vacation with people you hate? Oh yeah, you know every time because that's you know that's the thing I love to do. When I go on vacation with a guy that called me a pseudo hockey journalist in the South, masquerading, 
That's that's who I'm going to go on vacation with, Ryan. I'm going to go to Minnesota and have a beer with him. I mean, to be fair, that's a pretty big word for a Minnesotan to use. <sighs> that is um, at George. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him tagged on Twitter here so yeah. you can send all your complaints his way. But, George, let's, let's step back now and look here, too. Especially this team, first of all, they get four points, allowing the Waddle to get two. So that right off the bat, that's big right there. But what did you see out of these two games Positively, before we get to the negative things that they want to work on, what did you see out of this team in these two games against Minnesota that left a good impression on you? Well, the thing that I liked the most was that the Predators were producing a lot more high-danger chances, uh, which, for those that don't know, is a chance that either comes off the rush, a, a chance that comes off a rebound, or a shot from the slot. Anywhere from about the uh, the hash marks down. It's a good it's a good area shot. I think mm-hmm. It generally goes in about 70, or uh, goalies only have about a 70% save percentage from that area. Uh, that, that saying, um, a lot of the chances didn't only come from Jofa. Uh, the, the depth was finally getting into it. And I think some of that had to do with Mikhail Granlund getting in there, but we also just saw a lot more from guys like Wayne Simmons and even Nick Benino wasn't being terrible. I know that that's that's such a terrible backhand way to say up, that. It's been, it's been an up and down. It's been an up and down year for for a bunch of players yeah. on this team, just for so many other reasons as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but now looking at this too, you, you mentioned him. You have Kyle Turris, which is becoming the Preds' whipping boy now that Kevin Fiala's gone, and and Craig Smith making his return from injury, and Mikael Grenland out there too. What did you just think about about them out there? I know it was a little rough last night, but in the first game on Sunday night, yeah, they had a, they had a tough showing. I it's just so hard to judge just because Mikael Grenland just got here, and that big adjustment. I mean, mm-hmm. he also just had a kid, and. <laughs> Like those are not small life events, and then on top of that, Kyle Turris has been injured all year. And mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to tell people, but a lot of times these guys get rushed back. Like yeah. it's, I'm not saying that he was, I'm not saying that he wasn't, but more likely than not, he probably came back before everything was 100 percent squared away. And then Craig Smith is as streaky as the day is long. <laughs> but big for him to 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 get oh, it going. Yeah, great for him to get that too. goal. Yeah, I mean, great for him to get that goal. And that was the exact situation you want him in in the high slot, taking mm-hmm. a shot because that is Craig Smith does one thing and one thing only. He takes shots. Yeah, he'll take a shot from wherever you can get him that puck. <laughs> if you want to get it to him at the, if you want to put him on the point, he'll play the point. Take shots from there. If you want to put him right in the blue ice, hey, he'll do that too. Because yeah, Honey Badger don't care. No, he <laughs> he don't he don't care. <laughs> Good Wisconsin boy. Yeah, there good good Wisconsin boy right there, Craig Smith. Uh, but but then also too mentioning Kyle Turris, the type of injury he's dealing with, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I'm trying to dive into the explanation of why he isn't necessarily having a, a great year too, and not necessarily we're going to talk about this too with the power play. But the type of injury he had when he was out, he couldn't train during it because it was a lower body injury to where it didn't allow him to be on the ice. How just in your experience in hockey too, George. This could be something that lasts the whole rest of the season. It could be, you know, just lingering, especially if you get rushed back. But how hard is it to reacclimate to game style situations if you were gone for, you know, four, five, six weeks? Well, actually, I do have a lot of experience with this. Uh, yeah. I tore my ACL playing hockey, and I was off the ice for I think it was six months or so. It was a, it was a long time, Ooh. and it does it does take a long time to get acclimated. You don't feel right for the first year, I find. And granted, we don't know the severity of Torres's injury, but. You know, you sometimes it just might take a little bit longer to get reacclimated, and not only that, but he also just lost one of his most consistent line mates mm-hmm. in the trade. And I'm not saying that Fiala is going to be a better pairing for, or, is, or yeah, Fiala was going to be a better pair for tourists than Grandland will be, but we just don't know because we we don't have the sample size right. yet. So we'll we'll see on that. Now, there's a lot of discussion going on now too because you had Yusuf Saros played Sunday, 
Pecorine, who played last night. What is your analysis between these two goaltenders in these two games and, 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 and beyond that as well? Because Pekka obviously is struggling right now stats-wise. He's just struggling overall compared to Yusuf Saros to the point to where does it need to be a 50-50 thing right now? Does Pekka need more rest for the playoffs? Or is there a change that's going to be made in the playoffs? Obviously, do not see that happening. No. But what is your, your view on those two goaltenders and their performances right now? It's hard to argue against Pecorine starting in any significant games. But in this point, I would I would definitely go into a one, you know, one for each style, if not actually start Saros two for every Pekka's one. And that's a tough thing to say, but Saros just A has the results and B is, you know, you can tell the team plays a little bit differently around him. Mm-hmm. They play a much more tight defensive structure when he's in net, and you just don't see that in front of Rene, which that's not Rene's fault, but for whatever reason, like we have over a large sample size, the the stats to conclude that the, the Predators are a better team in front of Saros in the defensive zone. Which is a little interesting because earlier in the season, they weren't. Oh, yeah. They were they were struggling to where Laviolette even challenged them to be better in front of Saros because they weren't. They were not playing tight at all and they, he, to, the, to the point where he had to publicly challenge the team just to be better in front of him. And then obviously with Pecorini, it seems so that they get complacent, expecting Rini to make a, the big save and save their tails like he's done so many times in the past that they come complacent with playing a little more loose. Do the stats kind of back that up now that they're just a little more complacent with Pecorine in there? Well, just over well, – I'll start with Saros a little bit, but just over this uh, this last game in Minnesota, the 3-2 to two victory, uh, the Wild had 12 high-danger chances for, and five of those came off rebounds, which are, generally speaking, a goalie's fault. I mean, you expect the goalie to make the save, and that's something that, mm-hmm. Pe- that UC Saros has had issues with his entire career. And you can see he's getting better, but – it's a, it's a little different when it's against the Wild, who aren't really a good team, compared to someone like Winnipeg, who has a lot of big bodies in front of the net and mm-hmm. who can clean up the garbage, or the Sharks, or you know, p- take your pick, Vegas or Calgary. <laughs> like anyone coming out of the West is just going to eat you know the, the blue ice up. Sure. So aside from that, let's look especially at last night too. And I noticed there were a couple shifts from Matias Ekholm where it just looked like he was dominating everything out there, from poke checks to just clearing the puck to getting to to messing up plays for the Minnesota Wild to where there's little things that he's doing that obviously more people are recognizing now mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where he's going to get paid yeah. in his next contract. But what did you see out of out of Subban and Ekholm out there? Subban's been a lot more aggressive recently, and I've, I've particularly liked it. Ekholm's always been this aggressive. Uh, he kind of started to shy away when he was with um, Hamus there for a bit, but you know it, it's a little easier to trust a guy like Subban than it is to trust a guy like Hamus. Uh, that said... I mean, they're only getting better as the season's gone on, especially for Subban, who hasn't necessarily been, you know, this hasn't been his, his best season. And it pains me to say that as one of his biggest supporters, but <laughs> he's been, I think that that pairing has been getting better and better. And quite frankly, this is the trajectory you want to see them on as you get into you oh, know, yeah. tougher games and more meaningful games. And especially too, Subban as well was dealing with injury. Yeah. So if he was you know, came back a little too soon as getting this much time to reacclimate to game speed because it does look like he's just getting better and better. He's shooting the puck and having the puck go in the back of the net. I mean, he was first credited with that Boyle goal, mm-hmm. and so that was a great shot as well that he took. It was a great shot, and Boyle's right there, perfect place for it. Yeah, and one of the things I like the most about those two is they're very uh, punishing physically. I mean, yeah. you can tell by the end of games that forward the opposing forwards are much less happy to go into the corners against those two, and. I think you talked about it a little bit earlier, but Matias Ekholm does have a little bit of a mean streak, and Subban mm-hmm. definitely has that as well. I oh, mean, yeah. That is a very punishing pair to play against. Yeah. And the best thing is is that both of them are probably the best uh, 
are probably one of the best pairings in the NHL, if not, but definitely the best pairing on the Predators as far as forcing a dump in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Michael talked about on, on when he came <laughs> on the show, but yeah. a dump in is essentially a turnover. Sure. Or it's at least creating a 50-50 puck out of what you had was a 100% puck. Mm-hmm. And so when a defensive pair can do that and then force the play into the corners away from a you know a scoring area, that's great. That's exactly yeah. what you want out of your defensive pairing, and especially a pairing that's going against the like Parise line mm-hmm. that was very that looked very good whenever they were not out against uh, Subban and Ekholm. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about this later on in the show. Up next, we're going to talk about college hockey. Alabama Huntsville is in the playoffs with the Western Collegiate Hockey Association. That's coming up next. We have Kurt Gosselin of Alabama Huntsville. Up next from Penalty Box Radio on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. This is Justin Bradford, joined by George Matarangas in studio. Mr. Josh behind the glass, intern Spidey Jack and Danielle in here with us. Going to switch to college hockey now. Big weekend coming up for the Alabama Huntsville Charge. We have Kurt Gosselin of UAH Hockey joining us. Kurt, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Uh, thank you for having me. No, absolutely. Obviously, we wanted to promote UAH Hockey as much as we can here on the show and got a big weekend coming up against Minnesota State. So always an it's an opportunity. Luckily, you're not going to the UP of Michigan like you've had to do before in the playoffs. But what yeah, are you looking forward to? It's a long trip for us. Oh, no doubt. So what, what are you looking forward to in this trip against Minnesota State? And how do you guys want to pull off that, those big upsets in the best of three series? Um, I mean, you know, we're just looking to really uh, set the tone early against these guys and uh, hopefully get a win early on them. And then uh, – I mean, really, just uh, it's our, it's my second time being in playoffs, and uh, we got a young team, we got some uh, young players producing for us, and I think for us, it's just competing hard and playing hard and having fun and just taking it one game at a time. And what has this been like for you guys, too? It's been such an up-and-down year. I know we've talked about it before on podcasts here on the air, too, but you guys had a little bit of momentum there in the middle of the season and, and make that push to be able to make the playoffs there as well. So what's the confidence level like in your room right now and knowing that I mean, you have a, goal t- a great goaltending that has happened for you guys and you guys were able to put the puck in the back of the net way more than you are able to in the early part of the season, too. So does that help build a lot of confidence for you? Yeah, lately we've been uh, getting in a groove. Uh, Hans Grouski, uh our captain's been doing well for us. He's been scoring some goals, and he's been getting some clutch goals for us. And uh, Mark Sinclair, uh, he's been unbelievable in that for us. Uh, he's backstopping us and uh, helping us get a couple wins. And I think uh, the last couple games we've uh, gotten a lot of good confidence uh, coming into this series. So, you know, I'm excited. And uh, the last uh, half of the year has been really good for us. Yeah, it really has. And just last weekend against number 15, Bowling Green, I mean, proving that an upset is not out of the question for the Chargers here. I mean, you beat number 15-ranked Bowling Green 4-2, to two, and that was in Bowling Green. So what, what did that do for the team? Uh, and, Grant, I know you guys lost the second game, but splitting that series against a ranked team as well, just how does that help you guys build on knowing that, hey, we're going to go to the playoffs and we know that we can beat a ranked team like this? Um, you know, it's it was good. It was a big confidence boost for our team. And, uh, you know, we, we've been close all year with a lot of teams. I mean, we have a lot of one-goal games and, I think it's us just uh, finding a way to get through and finishing the games. Uh, we play a solid, you know, I'd say first two periods and our third period, you know, we tend to wear out against some of these teams. And I think 
uh, for us, it's just playing a full 60 and, you know, playing tough on these guys. And, you know, we can uh, we can play with everyone in this league, and we've shown it. And, and I'm excited for this uh, playoff series because we'll uh, hopefully create that upset. Oh, absolutely. So what's the travel plan going to be like for you guys this week? You taking the bus, you got to fly. What's it going to be like for you? Um, yeah, we'll we'll head out from Huntsville uh, and we'll fly uh, to Minnesota and then uh, I think St. Paul and then we'll bus on over to Mankato and stay there for, we'll leave uh, tomorrow morning. Well, I was just there. It was negative 11 Monday morning. So <laughs> that was nice oh, and yeah. fun. It'll it was- be nice. <laughs> That's fun. Well, I want to talk a little bit about you too, because you've had quite the career at UAH, and especially this season too, uh, because of some injuries in the first half of the season. But you're entering the WCHA playoffs with 58 career points on 20 goals and 38 assists. That's third all time for career points by defenseman in the program's modern Division One era. I mean, knowing that you're leaving a little bit of a legacy back with UAH hockey too, and, and going on with this, just what does it what does it mean to you to that you've been able to, to have a successful career at Alabama Huntsville? Um, I mean, it means a lot, you know, uh, you know, I appreciate, you know, everything, uh, everyone's done for me and, you know, I appreciate the opportunity I was given and, uh, um, I just, you know, can't thank uh, everyone enough for doing that. And, um, it's been awesome. You know, I've been, I'm happy I was able to contribute for this team and, uh, for my teammates and, you know, for everyone that supported me and it's, uh, it's been a fun ride and I can't wait to, you know, finish off uh, my senior year here with a, a good playoff run. Absolutely. And, and again, this is Kurt Gosselin of the Alabama Huntsville Chargers. They start the WCHA playoffs this weekend against Minnesota State in Mankato, Minnesota. So looking forward, you know, many, many weeks down the road after the playoffs are, are over for you guys uh, after multiple upsets here in a deep run. What's the future for Kurt Gosselin? What do you plan on doing? Do you want to stay in hockey? What do you want to accomplish in the, the rest of your career? Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely want to continue my hockey career. And, uh, you know, I plan on doing that uh once the season's over, and um, I mean, I'll, I'll go wherever it takes me. And uh, if not, uh, I have um, some work back in Mish, but um, you know, definitely would like to pursue a hockey career. And do you, do you plan? I know you're from Michigan. Do you want to go back to Michigan? Want to stay in the South? What, what's it looking like for you? Just wherever uh, hockey would, takes you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, wherever hockey takes me is uh, would be fine with me. But you know, I, I'm a big fan of Michigan. I loved <laughs> it down here, but you know, uh, up north is. It's home for me. And so if there's a message for the fans, especially the Alabama Huntsville fans too, that, that have seen you grow through all these years, just what's the message for them that you'd want to give them just to kind of thank them for the for the, all the support they've been able to give you? Yeah, I just want to thank uh, everyone for coming to all the games and supporting us and uh, being there for us uh, through thick and thin. I mean, it's been, it's been a fun ride these last four years. And, you know, I see the program hopefully on the uprise and, um, I hope uh, they continue to come support because, you know, in a couple of years, I think this uh, program is going to be one of the top teams or one of the top organizations. So it's uh, I just want to thank everyone for coming to the games and being loud and uh, cheering me on for four years. It was awesome. And there, there's so much potential future there for the Chargers and exciting times there to, to build off the success of this season and previous seasons. So, Kurt, we wish you the absolute best. Uh, go get them up in Minnesota, and uh, I, I can't wait to see the updates on it and to see the highlights from it. So, so best of luck to you, man. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. No, absolutely. Folks, that is Kurt Goslin 
with the University of Alabama and Huntsville Chargers. Uh, you can stream those games. You can listen to those games. They're going to have it available there. So make sure you support college hockey in the South. I mean, they're only D1 program in the South. Uh, so big-time opportunity for them to make some big upsets. Minnesota State, tough opponent, but I know they can do it. They've, they've upset other teams this season as well. So really excited for the Chargers and to see what they're able to do there. So, George, your experience at college hockey, I mean, you were a scout for a while too mm-hmm. uh, in, in junior hockey. Just what's your experience been like with college hockey and what you've been able to witness out of that in terms of how that product's grown now in North America? I mean, it's only getting better and better. I think college hockey deserves to be one of the better, I guess, programs in the entire world. Uh, the USHL has done wonders for it. I think that has singly been the best thing. Uh, getting Canadian talent has also been nice uh, through organizations like the BCHL and the AJHL. But I think that the best thing for college hockey is to continue to grow the game here through USHL, through NA3HL, NAPHL. All those minor leagues are really, you know, that that's one of the best things for it. And it's always nice to have some European talent come over, too. <laughs> oh, always a little nice for that, too. So uh, when looking at what college hockey's done and you're seeing that, well, like you even said, too, the USHL and everything, we're seeing more teams starting to draft out of these junior leagues, but they're allowing kids to go to college and everything like that, too. Obviously, some people have some negative <laughs> feelings towards the college hockey players with how they've been burned, Jimmy Vesey, uh, burned in the past as well, and other, it's happened to other teams. But what do you think, and I'm, this is a full-on opinion, too, in terms of it's not a loophole, but it's in the rules about the way that it is for draft picks that are going to college in the NHL. I think it's fine. Quite personally, I'm always on the side of players. Mm-hmm. And so if you play all four years at a college and you get your degree, more power to you. Choose whatever team yeah. you want to go to. If you want to go play for a bad Rangers team, <laughs> let, let you know, <laughs> go do it. Live your dreams, man. <laughs> I was waiting for you to have a mic drop moment. <laughs> that was perfect. All right, up next, the Predators... And their road to the playoffs, teams below them have multiple games in hand, waiting to see what St. Louis is able to do, what Winnipeg is able to do. We're going to discuss the road to the playoffs, what the rest of the Central Division is looking at, all, all that up next. Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN, 125 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, George Matarangas, producer Josh behind the glass, Spidey Jack, intern Danielle in the studio with us as well, providing stats and analysis to us as well, being ever so helpful. I really appreciate that. So, George is wearing his Whaler shirt right now, so we just had to play Raspinanza. Do you appreciate that? Oh, yeah. I made that happen oh, yeah. for you. I Thank made you. that happen for you. Just for you. Thanks. Who's on the back of your jersey? Oh, Ron Francis. All right. The fifth leading scorer of all time baby all right all right so let me go ahead and ask this as well too what do you think about the the celebrations down in carolina oh they're fantastic thank you i'm glad you agree or i was gonna oh. kick you out of the studio what's <laughs> <laughs> been have you had a favorite one so far uh the evander holyfield one was pretty good that was pretty good yeah yeah i, I like the the thor one that was pretty good too. Oh, that was a good one too. Yeah. Saying, otherwise, the bowling one with the with the yeah. helmet was. I like that one too. I love it. And if you hate it, log off. <laughs> okay. So the National Predators and their march to the playoffs. I want to discuss this because the scheduling has been interesting this year for the NHL, given how the Predators continue to remain three games ahead of so many others, especially those that are in the race uh, in the division, including the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, we are this late into the season, 
and the Jets have three games in hand on the Predators. Now the Predators are at 83 points, the Jets are at 82. All the Preds, all, all the Jets have to do is just get one win out of those three, and they they leapfrog them. And then the Blues are at 74 points with what is this now? Oh, four games in hand <laughs> on Nashville. <laughs> so this is just so creepy and weird to look at this, but. There's a, there's a method to this that I think could work in the Predators' favor. And that being the amount of off days and practice time that this team's going to have. Instead of having all this game time, game time, game time, and not being able to really get the newer players acclimated into the systems, especially Mikhail Granlund. Getting him into the system, I think, is going to be very important. Wayne Simmons has played under Pete Laviolette La- La- before, and I don't think it's as big of a deal for him to get in because he knows what his, his role is. Go to the net. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go to the net, stick up for your teammates, get your business done whereas glenland is more of a okay we got to figure out where players are going to be build chemistry so we can make sure to make those great passes and everything too so practice is going to be important looking at this too those other two teams have multiple back-to-backs the predators only have one back-to-back remaining worth multiple days off uh, which can help with guys getting back from injury and all these other things george your first take at looking at the remaining schedule just are there any concerns or things that stand out to you about the predators remaining schedule no, it's pretty pretty easy. Uh, I mean, the the game against the Sharks is going to be big. The game against the uh, Leafs is going to be big. Mm-hmm. The game against the Jets is going to be big. Otherwise, you have the Hurricanes, who are a good team, but not really a team of consequence at the moment, as far as the Predators are concerned. You have the Penguins, who are kind of like playoff hopeful, but it's not not ever. It's never a good idea to bet against Sidney Crosby. Um, ever, yeah, ever. <laughs> Otherwise, you have like the Sabers and. You have another game against the Wild, and you have a game against the Blackhawks. Like, objectively, these are not good teams, right? And and looking at the way they close the season, I think is a, is in a good way in terms of they only have Buffalo was probably going to be out of it by then. Yeah, but they're going to close the season against Buffalo, Vancouver, and Chicago. So with all these games in hand, they're going to be matching up. Those three games are obviously going to be very important for seeding, whether you're going to play the wild card or you're going to play probably play the Blues or the Jets if yeah. St. Louis continues to rise from there. It's going to be – I think it's going to be crazy. Now, what would you rather see in terms of matchups? Would you rather see Winnipeg in round one, St. Louis in round one, have them beat each other up in round one? Who's your prime playoff opponent right now for the Predators? I mean, the Wild or, or the Stars. <laughs> like, play one of them. Don't play the Jets. Don't play the, the Blues. And – I get the Blues are riding some serious goaltending magic right now, but you just never know when that's going to go out. I mean, even like two years ago, Jake the Snake Allen, yeah, like dominated a Blues <laughs> team. Like I think he they averaged like forty five shots against him, and he beat them in a like in a playoff series four to one. Yeah, like sometimes that stuff kind of happens. And you know, don't don't go into a playoff series against a hot goalie. That's never. Just, and also, Ryan O'Reilly is really good too. So don't don't play him either. How many times have we seen it to where non-elite goaltenders get hot at the right time in the playoffs and they end up winning a cup? Yeah, <coughs> it's Nini Ami. Uh. Yeah, or <laughs> or maybe fall short of the cup. Like oh, 2016. 20, ooh, ooh. No, no, no I'm, not, I'm not that bad. Oh my gosh. No, Rini is great. Rini is one of the best. Yeah, it, but there, but, but he does have. He does have those issues when you get deep in the playoffs. Would you say that's more of just, is that mental? Is that just the way, him as the player? Is that rest? What does that fall on when he's had those collapses before? Because obviously we know that he's been an elite goaltender. He's a Vezina winner. He earned those stats that he had great games last season. So what does it come to the playoffs? Is it the defense in front of him? Is it him? 
Well, a lot of the issue is the defense in front of him. I mean, last year, he really earned that Vezina. The Predators did not do him a lot of favors. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's a tough one, just because I, I think a lot of the issue is rest. A lot of us are still kind of in that, like, 90s to mid-2000s mindset of where, oh, Marty Brodeur can play 70 games and be okay for a long playoff run. That's just not the way that goalies are built anymore. And now you're not you're no longer standing behind Niedemeyer and Scott Stevens. Right. Now you have to actually move. And a lot of people, at least in my experience as a, as a coach, a lot of people start as a goalie because they think, oh, not a lot of skating. It's false. Uh-huh. As a, goalies have to skate some of the most of any players. They just do it within a 5x5 five five range. Oh, man. That's, yeah. That makes me feel tired. And then yeah. you have to do the splits. Yeah. And then you have to get your body low to the ground, stand back up really quickly, and put your body in positions that most people just can't do. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> I don't know why it would be goalie. No wonder goalies are head cases. Yeah. Because of what they have to do. It takes a special breed. It does take a special breed. Now, looking at the Blues schedule, and the reason I want to do this, too, is because when, when all these strength of schedules came out, we were even talking off air that Winnipeg has the most difficult schedule based on who they have to face and how many of those teams are playoff opponent, are already in the playoffs now, then the Predators are kind of right in the middle. But the St. Louis Blues have one of the easiest schedules to close the season given how many of those teams are currently in playoff position. I'm going to name some of these opponents that they finished their season up against. The Arizona Coyotes, who are kind of making a push, but still, overall. The Ottawa Senators. The AHL Ottawa Senators. I'd argue ECHL. <laughs> the, the Buffalo Sabres, struggling. Edmonton Oilers. Detroit Red Wings. Those are three in a row. Buffalo, Edmonton, Detroit. Then they have Tampa. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the Predators, like you said, finished with the Sabres, Canucks, and Blackhawks. Yeah, it's a great way to finish. Yeah. Great way to finish. But then the Blues have a back-to-back against New York and New Jersey. Does it count as a back-to-back when it's against New York and New Jersey? I mean, when you you play Jake the Snake Allen for one of those, yeah. Gosh. (laughs) And then the Blues have a back-to-back the last week, a Wednesday-Thursday, against Chicago, Philadelphia, and close with Vancouver. So it's it's inter- it's going to be interesting to see how all these games in hand because Predators fans are going to have to be sitting and being patient so much in the month of March as they see what other teams are doing. It's going to be a lot of scoreboard watching, and I think even players agree and admit to that that they do they they do standings watching scoreboard watching because they just want to see what's going to be going. And I know Matthias Ekholm and Philip Forsberg talked about in the player show is does this team is this team going to do better when their backs are against the wall? when they see these other teams are pushing and they have to play catch-up. Because, yeah, the rest is going to be great. Practice time is going to be great. They're going to get a lot of it. But is that going to help it? In your experience as a coach, George, is having a little bit more practice time, is that going to help? Or would they rather be in a game atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. That's, that's a tricky one. Um, <laughs> I would argue that practice time is always a good thing. as long. I mean, it's not like hard practice. Like, you know, we're going to be practicing breakouts. It's going to be more situational stuff and more – Less skating, more more thinking, which I think is something that this Predators team could stand to do a little bit more of. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I when I say team, I also include the coaches. Yeah, I think that maybe readdressing, taking the time to readdress some of their special teams, taking the time to readdress their forecheck, taking the time to readdress maybe their back their breakout. I mean, I'm not no, nothing's ever perfect, but some extra time on the ice is never a bad thing. Sure, everything could always be better. <clears throat> And so I I do I do think that some more time is probably better than just game scenario, but you know rest is also a good thing when you're about to go on a you know at least a 16 game perilous journey where it's a war of attrition. Whoever's whoever's the healthiest is probably who's going to win. Man, I love the vocabulary right there. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, I just whew, man that was that was beautiful. That was beautiful. And, and and looking at this too. I was in Minnesota for the wild game on Sunday, and the Predators had a practice at a beautiful practice rink, the Tria rink in 
St. Paul, which was on the fifth floor of a building, the seventh floor of the parking garage. And it was a little interesting <laughs> to have to go up because I know they have these in the north where you have rinks that are not on ground level because <laughs> they're able to do that there. Uh, but it was a beautiful rink. And what they did work on most of the time after they got through their drills and things like that was special teams. And I know most people know that Kevin McCarthy used to be in charge of the power play. It is all Dan Muse now. And they're especially working with Wayne Simmons and Brian Ball and Mikhail Glenland out there to make sure that they're getting the right spots. And Dan Muse was out there with his stopwatch and coaching, active coaching during these drills. Not just saying, okay, go run it, and then watching. No, he's yelling instructions the whole time. They're working on it. Is it, gonna, is it going to come to fruition? Who knows? We'll, mm-hmm. we'll find out because you're changing these things in midseason. But they're working on it. And they're working on things to be more creative, how to make the right passes, how to create more space. And you can see they're working on this, and it does take time. The thing that I like is that they finally recognize that a change had to happen. They had to make a change. They had to make a change in the strategy because it was obvious the strategy wasn't working. It wasn't just the it wasn't personnel. Mm-hmm. It was strategy. You have some great talented personnel out there, but the strategy was just not working. George, what do you want to see in the power play? What do you want more? Because people have heard me say this all the time. What do you want to see more on the power play? Goal scoring. Okay. <laughs> Aside from how do they get to the goal scoring, George? So I think that they're really underutilizing Ryan Johansson here. I think that as a passer goes, he is probably one of the best in the game. And the fact is, is that a simple or a typical umbrella isn't really, it's kind of been figured out by a lot of defenses now. Uh, you see a lot with how San Jose plays it, where instead of doing a normal box formation, they'll actually do a diamond so that they can kind of cut away that pass as well as uh, support in case that there is a quick pass around uh, you know, around the uh, perimeter rather than through the perimeter. Um, with that said, I think a, a move into the into the low-to-slot slot formation, whereas you have Ryan Johansson kind of stationed behind the net. And when I say behind the net, I don't mean, you know, he's sitting there with, ha- with half his, <laughs> his view cut off. I mean, he's behind the goal line and he's kind of patrolling. Mm-hmm. And what this can do is, while he might have the puck and while there might be quick passes to him, other players can activate. And what this does is it forces players to watch the puck, watch Johansson, and other players can kind of sneak around behind mm-hmm. them. I mean, we saw it uh, you, We saw it last night, or, uh, yeah, last night against the, against the Preds, that Eric Fairgoal yeah. was a perfect encapsulation. Oh, they, the, uh, I can't remember who it was in the wild, but they had the puck behind the net. All three Predators players, like, converged, turned totally. their heads away from who was behind them, and it left open a wide-open Eric Fair from a very high-danger area. Fourth-liner yeah. Eric Fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what—that's two goals in two games that Eric Fair scored against spreads. He scored in Minnesota too. Like that seems to happen. It, this is one of those it seems to happen where yeah. they allow bottom six players to score against them sometimes. But that's exactly the strategy because it was highlighted today. I saw on Twitter somebody tweeted out too. Is like, why are there three Preds looking at the guy behind the net and then boom, wide open in the slot? So yeah. that makes sense, especially with the way that Ryan Johansson can dish it out. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense because they have to respect Johansson's pass, but then it makes it more difficult, too, because you have to respect the players on the ice that he's trying to pass it to, yeah. like a Philip Forsberg. And, and here's the thing. A lot of people might be saying, well, then you sacrifice a shot, but you don't. What can happen is if the other team respects the pass too much, you can have Johansson drive the play from behind the net, mm-hmm. and which draws uh, defenders and wingers down, which can then open up a pass, or he can just take that quick shot and force a rebound from in tight. I mean, I, I think it just makes a lot of sense. And you could even put Kyle Torres behind there or Mikhail Gramlin, who mm-hmm. are both very talented passers. No, and especially when you have guys like... Uh, Brian Boyle or uh, Wayne Simmons in front of the net that have very heavy sticks that aren't, you know, very, you know, they're not easily tied up. 
are so heavy dudes. Yeah. They're oh, they're not getting moved out of <laughs> there at they're all. They're not getting moved. And note, too, you know, remember, Turris was pulled off the second line after that, that goal that was scored as well. Yeah. Was and then, just, which was interesting because after that, when Sissons came on that line, you started to see it being a little it, – it started being better, mm-hmm. which I don't want to say – you know, correlation does not equal causation, yeah. but Sissons was doing a lot more positive things than, sure. than Turris was doing, especially in the offensive uh, zone. Sure. All right, well, up next, we're going to get back to dumb things said on Pred Facebook and then answer your questions that you submitted on Twitter, which there was a lot of them. We're going to do our best to get to all of them. That's up next in Penalty Box Radio here on Nashville's Best Sports Talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford, George Matarangas, Josh Upton, Spider Jack, Danielle. Had a good discussion so far. Yeah. Good discussion. I appreciate you being here, George. Thank oh, you so much. It's a pleasure. I appreciate it so much. Okay. We're going to get back into dumb things said on Pred's Facebook. Okay. So here we go. Here's the first one. I only have a couple this time. I didn't collect too much. But on Lindsey Vaughn. Dropping the puck in Minnesota. There's a lot of things I couldn't say. Well, well first of all, this was hilarious because I think it was a, a good troll job by Minnesota. Because she's a St. Paul native, originally from St. Paul, yet she's dating a natural predator, knows plenty of natural predators. Yossi said something to make her laugh. She hugged Kevin Fiala afterwards. But, oh, great, another game we're lose, losing. Not losing, losing. <laughs> I want to point that out. Not losing, losing. The Predators won that game. <clears throat> they did. Here's here's the next one. And again, dot dot dot. Joey is trash. <laughs> I mean, it's so, wrong. Sometimes players may frustrate you, but I think it's pretty obvious that he's not trash. Just in terms of if you want to look at point production and where he's at in the team, he's at the top. <laughs> Does that not mean that he could be doing more? Yes, every player on this team could obviously be doing more. There's a few more than others, but Joey is trash. Um, And then here's another one. I don't know if this is a dumb thing or not then. I just think Sissons has proved himself and deserved a shot to center the top line because Joey is trash. That's bad. That's (laughs) that's real bad. Wow. Like we were saying, Sissons, you know. Can do well on other lines, but... I, do you really want to see Arvidsson in the defensive zone? <laughs> no. 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 Okay, that's it for this week's edition. Yeah. Let's get to our questions. <laughs> this one comes from Gumpy. George, in honor of Ford I Center Bellevue, if you were a discontinued Ford model, what model would you be? I don't know any of the discontinued models. I'll, all I know is the one I drive, which is an Escape. Okay, I'd be a Model T. Model T? Yeah. Is it because you're old? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're making those anymore, are they? I, I'm not what you would call a car guy. <laughs> oh, I. Mm. Okay. Uh, here's a question. We had multiple people ask this one. I definitely want your opinion on this. I, ha- I have my thoughts as well. So, first one was KP McCullough asked, is Johansson ruining the shootout, and should we even care if he is? I hope he does ruin the shootout. I hope he never do the shootout again. <laughs> I mean, that, that first goal, I. That, mm. y- you see his stick flex when it hits the pad. 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, the second goal was a pure goal. I don't. Yeah. There's no issue with that. Bedrovin said that. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was such a. I mean, that that was just filthy. Now, do you think this is going to enable a change from the board of governors to put a shot clock or something like that up there? No, I mean, I think that the puck progressing forward at all times is kind of what they did to that, and mm-hmm. I think it works. I mean, his yeah. the puck never goes backwards. No, the puck is always the puck. Andrew Hansen are always moving. You know, mm-hmm. always progressing towards the net. I just. Yeah, I I think it's just a goaltender that was too afraid to challenge. Yeah, yeah, poke check it. Yeah, poke he's check that it. close. And Devin Dunick's six six, like he has a reach. Yeah, just <laughs> just do it. My, here here's my opinion on it. Puck don't lie. Yeah, <laughs> puck don't lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just check it. Okay, this is from our good friend Michael Wade. Uh, oh no. If Miss Hi Mr. Bradford, if that is your real name, which is more disrespectful, a ten second shared tribute video for Fiala? Or Ryan Johansson's repeated treatment of the shootout. <laughs> this one, this one kind of caught me off guard. It really was a 10-second tribute video to Kevin Fiala and Tony Batato, a shared one. It was not even a video; it was a slideshow. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting something a little more of, like at least you know, more of when they drafted, yeah, the players well, or something and, like that. Like, Kevin Fiala had good moments. Like he did the he, overtime goals. Yeah. Like, and he had the even the uh, the twenty sixteen seventeen run. He had a couple big points for there. He did, and and what I would have loved was a shot of him with the rally towel in like the leg cast. Yeah, because it was, he was there to pump up his team. He didn't have to be. So. I, w- I was really hoping that they would play like <laughs> they were going to do a thirty second one, and it'd be like twenty five seconds of potato and like five <laughs> seconds of Fiala. And then for Brad Hunt, they would just take a bench out to center ice yeah. and be like, assume the position. <laughs> I, Brad Hunt's a really nice guy, so I'm really sorry for making that joke. But I mean, they didn't play him at no. all, and yet he's on the power play for the Minnesota Wild. I mean, losing Matt Dumb is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Things will happen, man. Is, is that going to get me stupid buttoned? No, no, no. Can, well, can you imagine how bad the Minnesota Wild could be though if Jason Zucker was oh, if he was gosh. actually traded? Oh my gosh, I would. Why even go see a game? I guess I, I go see a game for Kevin Fiala, but well, yeah. <laughs> I, I like to think with all the parody that I would pay to go see every at least one person on every team play. Now, of course, after the trade deadline, there's a few exceptions, Ottawa, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know. I'd go see anyone for that for, on that Minnesota Wild team. Okay, so this one is for you, and I'm going to have to put a time limit on you because oh, I boy. know you could rattle off on this one. So 30 seconds. This is from Dooley Rusty. Why do the Predators seem to have such a difficult time getting the puck out of their defensive zone? Uh, I think it's because they actually play their forwards too high, or their wingers too high, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pierre Laviolette likes to use a system that has his wingers fly and to create the stretch pass. It's meant to catch slower teams off guard, but the fact is that a lot of defensemen in today's game are so quick and so agile, both north-south and east-west, that they can, uh, A, you know, disrupt the pass while it happens, or B, the four checkers can get there before a real pass can get made. And this worked well during the 16-17 run, because no one had really seen it before at that point, especially from the Predators. But now that other teams have, you know, hundreds of hours of film on it, and people that who's make, you know, five figures or six figures that just where all they do is they watch the film, it's not it's no longer that catching people off guard. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, Bailey McClard. What's up with the Preds calling up somebody like Donovan over Carrier or Allard? I think it's because of his previous NHL experience is what they're looking at there, and they don't want to take a risk on a, on a younger guy, or Carrier has not necessarily lived up to expectations this season. Allard 
still has some growing to do, which I'd love to see them get more opportunities, but I really, truly think it's because of his previous NHL experience. And, hey, he got an assist his first one since the 14-15 season. <laughs> so anything else to add on that, George? I mean, I agree. I think I think you should always give the kids a chance whenever you can because kids will surprise you. But sure. in a situation like that, it, it didn't do any harm. Right. Yeah. Uh, back to a fun questionnaire. Goalie 3-1, would you rather play against 100 RV-sized Bufflins or one Bufflin-sized RV? I, I, I'm probably gonna go with the hundred. I mean, I'm going with the hundred too because, dear God, like <laughs> someone that big that skates that fast. No, thank you. Yeah, and like, you know, we'll just not stop. Yeah, I just <laughs> plow uh, through you. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going with the one. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Okay. This one. This was for you now. Oh boy. This is from Casey Hessen. Do you think that the regression by Turris is due to not being 100 percent healthy or something else? It doesn't make sense to put someone else on the second line if he isn't contributing. Uh, great question. I we just have no idea how healthy it, he is. I mean, it's very clear that players get rushed back or you know get placed back before they're not even 100. percent You even have it in the NHL like 19 games where they say you're you're cleared to play by our medical staff, but you're, right. you won't be at 110 percent for another few days. Right. I mean, that's in a video game. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I think that maybe I I don't know. I'm I'm torn here because if he's not producing, then he probably needs to be moved down a little bit. But at the same time, you need to give him a little bit of time. To, to develop some chemistry with Mikhail Granlund and mm-hmm. you know kind of find that chemistry with uh, with Craig Smith, who they haven't really played as much together this season. Right. Okay. This question's about Dante Fabro. There's been rumors that he's interested in signing a pro contract when he's done. Who knows? But this question came up by a few people as well. You have the Hockey East tournament coming up too. Uh, so do do we think he signs? Is is he the missing piece? What would you prefer, George? Would you prefer? If Fabro is available and he signs, would you want him out there or to be a black ace? Probably want to be out there. Like if you, if he's going to sign, you might as well play him. All right, there you have it. Okay, out. I'd be interesting to see, especially with Hamus being injured. Go ahead and get Fabro in there and get acclimated with the system. Okay, folks, thank you so much for listening. More at penaltyboxradio.com. Thanks to Josh Upton. Thanks to George Matarangas for joining us. This is Justin Bradford for Penalty Box Radio on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 102.5 The Game.